the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, I'd like to please note in verse 22 that the Lord Jesus Christ puts into plan a three-point action plan. It begins with the word immediately. So as soon as the miracle had taken place, he commences this action plan. Verse 21. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, beside women and children. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Nazareth, and when the men of that place recognised Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak and all who touched him were healed. May God bless that word to our hearts, our minds and our souls. Let's now just bow together in prayer and let's uh, 12 miles long and is four to seven miles uh, wide in various aspects of it. The depth varies from 80 to 160 feet. Compared to other lakes and seas throughout the world, it's not particularly big. But we know that the importance of this particular lake, this sea, is because the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was carried out around its edges. And we know that uh, from the Sea of Galilee, four fishermen were called, Andrew and Peter, James and John. And we know that the Lord used their boats to travel uh, to various seaside locations to preach the gospel. And indeed on occasions he used one of the boats as a floating pulpit to preach to the crowd gathered on the seaside. It was though it was the first united beach mission. 
speaking to all those crowds there, men, women and children. And we know that they hung upon his every word. He told many wonderful parables. And these parables were repeated throughout the communities. The story we read together tells of an amazing incident that took place on the Sea of Galilee, immediately following that great miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 using just five loaves and two small fish, as the scriptures say. Everyone was satisfied. And even after this great crowd had enjoyed this picnic, 12 baskets of fragments were collected by the disciples. And this was a tremendous illustration of the great truth that the Lord Jesus Christ is indeed the bread of life, that he satisfies totally and completely, but also the disciples following the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ into heaven, as it were, had their 12 baskets of the fragments of the message of the bread of life, the gospel, and were able to satisfy people with the hunger they needed for salvation and forgiveness deep within their hearts. Immediately after the miracle, we know the Lord indeed put into action that three-point plan that we saw referred to. First of all, he immediately sent away the multitude. This was no time to bask in glory and popularity following the great miracle. That was not the intention of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. The sign was to authenticate his divinity and his mission. It was not to present himself as a deliverer, as a new king to overcome the Roman oppressors. Having sent away the multitude, he then sent away his disciples. He told them to get into a boat and to go over to the other side of the lake. And the three-point plan was completed when he himself went up into the mountain by himself to pray to speak to his Heavenly Father, to seek guidance and encouragement, because we know indeed that he was a man of prayer. He was in constant communication with his Heavenly Father, as together they discussed the mission for which he'd been sent into the world. So we can imagine the Lord there in this solitary place, in prayer, in supplication, intercession with his Heavenly Father. But down on the lake, it was a totally different picture. The little fishing boat was in the middle of the sea, perhaps three miles from land. In the middle of the night, in the midst of the darkness, and in the middle of a great storm, a great tempest. Can you picture the waves battering this little boat, being tossed about like a cork from side to side? And the strong wind was against the boat, the sails were useless, despite the muscular nature of the fishermen, rowing was impossible. The boat was taking in water, there was a sense of danger and fear and uncertainty. And of course, even the possibility of death by drowning. The majority of the people within the boat relied upon the fishermen to get them safely across but they could do nothing. And this to me, as I read the scriptures, is a tremendous picture of the situation with men today in the world. They're in the midst of it, were of the storm of life. I mean, all the various things that assail us, 
And yet, believers in particular can know that God is aware of our need. He knows where we are and what we are going through. So these disciples were full of fear and doubt and uncertainty. Then, when all seemed a loss and impossible, there seemed to be no hope. The Lord Jesus Christ himself came down from the mountain, reached the seaside, stepped onto the water, and came walking towards the disciples. At any time, that would have been a miracle on a still lake. Well, this was at three o'clock in the morning in the midst of a great storm. And this is a wonderful picture of the great and wonderful truth that the God of all heaven and glory in his eternal throne saw the need of lost mankind and sent his son down into the world. Down to that world of sin, of degradation, of filth as it were, and yet the holy, holy Son of God was prepared to come down to this scene of time. So we see here the picture of men and women in their lost and sinful condition, can do nothing to save themselves, and are, as it were, under the winds and waves of the judgment and wrath of Almighty God. Tossed about with uncertainty and fear, which way will we turn, what can we do? And God sees the need and he sends the Lord Jesus Christ into the world. It's a wonderful picture to think that God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit planned our salvation in a most remarkable way. Can you imagine that divine heavenly conference when it was decided eternity past that Jesus Christ would become flesh, would become the God-man, would come into the scene of time, and he would deal with the deepest needs of the hearts of sinful men and women. Yes, heaven was a wonderful place where he received glory and worship, but he was prepared to come down into the scene of time. And I hope that you, in your situation today, can look back with thanksgiving and realise afresh the wonder when you first realise that God wasn't separate, God wasn't remote, but to the Lord Jesus Christ, he was right down here with us. And we know that the, the message of the Gospel is so clear that the Son of God, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And today, in the midst of all of our differences and problems, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can see, can't we, throughout the scriptures, the encounters they had with men and women in all kinds of situations. But this is a most remarkable encounter as we see the Lord Jesus Christ walking across the lake. The disciples see him and they think, first of all, it must be a ghost. Can't be anything else. And they're terrified. They don't know what to do. But then we see that they are encouraged this time by a, a threefold encouragement. The Lord says to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Whatever situation you're going through, perhaps today as a sinner who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and you're face to face with the holiness of God and you realize your own sinfulness you realize that without the Lord Jesus Christ you are bound for lost eternity and the word of the gospel through our Lord Jesus Christ is be of good cheer lost sinner there is hope for you it is I the Lord Jesus your Savior do not be afraid trust in me come to me confess your sin Realize that I died upon the cross to save you. Take hold of my hand and be lifted up. And to the saint today who is here, who is struggling, who is burdened, and it feels as though indeed the winds and the waves of all the afflictions of persecution and the difficulties that you face seem to be taking you under. The same message comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. They were quite clear in their own minds that this was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. No spirit, no apparition. Sailors are very superstitious people. And sometimes they believed in those days that when they saw these strange sights upon the, the lake, it was some form of judgment upon them for some sin they had committed. And of course, uh, sailors very often... Uh, are known for their language, for their actions. And we know that when they are more than a poor, they would often bring a lot of trouble to the community. Slightly different situation here, but certainly Peter knew that he was a sinful man. He knew that he did not deserve to know the Lord Jesus Christ, such a holy person. And yet he was entering into this relationship. And when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ walking on the water, when he realised it was him, he said, Lord, if it really is you, command me to come to you and to walk upon the water. And it's quite remarkable to think that the Lord Jesus Christ said to him, come. And Peter came. He stepped out of the boat. At least the boat was still afloat, he could do that. He was being tossed and turned, he managed to make his way onto the water. And he stepped out. It seemed impossible to do it. He took one, two steps and he looked upon the Lord Jesus. That was the important thing. He kept his eyes fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't this a challenge to us as well? In the midst of all of our troubles and difficulties, we need to keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we fall into the trap that Peter did. He took his eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ and he looked upon those winds and the waves the effects that were around about him he said to himself what am I doing here instead of the star you know, the, the lake could have been up to 160 feet deep he said what am I doing here I could sink or be drowned in the midst of this great storm and he began to realise his situation what did he do? Did he attempt to swim back to the boat? No, he did the only thing that was possible. In his extremity, he cried out, Lord, save me. And it doesn't come across to me at all as a polite request, as a whisper. It's a, a shout of desperation. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Can you look back to that day when you were in the situation knowing you were lost? No, the Lord Jesus Christ could deal with your lost condition. 
do you then cry out in great distress and anxiety of soul, Lord, save me. This is the beginning of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. A person realises there's nothing they can offer God, no merit, no value, that enables them to know salvation. They only rely upon the Lord and say, Lord, save me. Looking unto Jesus and crying unto Jesus, these are the first steps of faith. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that we should be looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Looking unto Jesus, remembering his death upon the cross, remembering his suffering and sacrifice, and when we go through hard and difficult times, remember what he went through and take strength from that, that that Lord Jesus Christ is the one that we know. And by trusting in him, we're able to combat the weariness and the discouragement that afflicts our souls. So we look unto Jesus, we cry unto Jesus, and we trust Jesus. Because what happened in the situation with Peter? Well, Peter sees the wind and the waves, and he takes his eyes off Jesus. What am I doing here? He says, Lord, save me. Well, immediately the Lord did save him. He reached down his hand. What a wonderful picture that is, to think the Lord reached down to him, and he lifted him up, and he took him safely on board the boat. What a tremendous picture. We've seen, haven't we, in the story, the Lord was there up on the mountainside, praying with his father. The Lord sees the need of the disciples, and he comes down, and he comes across the water, he walks across the lake, he makes himself known to the disciples. Peter ventures out in faith. He loses faith when he sees what he's going to have to face. He cries unto the Lord, and the Lord lifts him up and restores him. And this was not an unusual experience, as we know, as we read the life of Peter. Uh, he's a tremendous character, a wonderful encouragement, because he's so like many of us, isn't it? We make promises and we don't keep them. We say we'll stand up for Jesus, and when the first uh, hint of ridicule appears, well, you know, we're quite uncertain then. And we know that Peter went through a, a really a, a soul-stirring experience. We know that he actually denied three times knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord had anticipated this because he knew the hearts of all men. And he said to Peter before the denial, he said, listen, Peter, he said, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. He's going to give you a shaking. He's going to take hold of you. You're going to go through that experience. But when you've returned to me, he said, encourage the brethren. And all these experiences that Peter went through, both walking on the lake, then going through this time of uh, testing at the trial of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord restored him there by the seaside once more, and he gave him the commission to look after the flock, to look after the, this flock and the lambs, very clear. And when we read the epistles of Peter, we see very clearly his compassion and understanding of men and women, because he was a man. 
would have been touched by fear and doubt and uncertainty and cowardice indeed. And yet he could go to someone who had struggled, struggled to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ, who had lost faith. He was able to go to that brother or sister, put his arm around him and say, look, I know where you are. And the great thing is, the Lord Jesus Christ comes into the heart of a believer, gives him encouragement and comfort and consolation, and that same believer has the privilege, has the joy of encouraging other believers through the experience that they have gone through. We do not seek troubles and trials and difficulties, but God uses them to shape our character and to develop our ministry. And what a joy it is to be able to come alongside someone and to say, Jesus Christ is with me in this situation and he will be with you. There are many sermons preached from the pulpit, or many wonderful sermons preached through a life which is known, the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fear had gripped the heart of Peter. Now he was back in the boat and the wind ceased, the waves were calm and small. And there's, there's this great sense of wonder and worship in the hearts of the disciples. Remember that they were overwhelmed by the power of the sea, but now we see they're overwhelmed by the wonder of the power and love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder today if we truly have still that joy of our own salvation. Looking back to that day, when we were saved by the Lord Jesus Christ lifting us up. And the amazing thing is that the Lord Jesus Christ was able to lift us up because he himself had been lifted up upon a cross. And through being lifted up on that cross, he was declaring this great truth that he would draw all men and all women unto himself. And we look at the cross and we say, was there ever a greater love than that. He was prepared to die for sinners who did not deserve salvation. Yes, the strong hand of the Lord Jesus Christ <coughs> lifted up Peter in his lost condition. And we can look back and we can give thanks for what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for each one of us. My own personal testimony goes back to the days of the Chester City Mission. When as a 15-year-old boy, I came face to face with the fact that I was a sinner under God's judgment and wrath. I could never do anything to get right with God. I had this fear of hell and this fact, this fact within my heart that God was frowning upon me because I was a sinner. And yet through the Lord Jesus Christ, in confessing my sin and knowing salvation, the smile and the blessing on God my Father was upon me. One of the hymns that um, I used to sing back in the mission days was this one. You may know it. This is part of it. I was sinking deep in sin, sinking to rise no more, overwhelmed by guilt within. Mercy I did implore. Then the master of the seas heard my despairing cry. Christ my Saviour lifted me. Now saved am I. And the chorus is, Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When no one but Christ could help. Love 
lifted me. We sing, don't we, in many of our hymns about the Lord Jesus Christ. We glorify him, we magnify his love and his compassion to a lost world. And yet we know that within our hearts there is that wonderful hymn of praise that we cannot express in words. There's that real sense of thanksgiving and worship that we have. It's a personal relationship. We speak with the Lord, we say, oh Lord, thank you for that love that lifted me. Thank you for that love that secured me. And in a most remarkable way, we know that we want to tell other people about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. If we can bring it down to a human situation, imagine that you are someone who is in desperate need of help. And someone comes into that situation and provides the help you need. You just cannot deal with that problem yourself. It might be a problem with the plumbing, with the electrics, a problem with the car, it might be some help you need with a legal or financial problem. And this person draws alongside you and they help you and they help you to overcome the problem. And you meet up with someone else who's gone through a similar situation and you say, I know someone who can help you. I trusted him. He was there when I needed him. He came. He had the skill and the ability to deal with my problem. Oh, if only, if only we were compelled to present the Lord Jesus Christ as the answer to the needs of our friends, our neighbours and our community. If only we knew the truth of that little chorus. If only lived this out. Christ is the answer to my every need. Christ is the answer. He is my friend indeed. Problems of life, my spirit may assail. With Christ my Saviour, I can never fail. Because Christ is the answer to my every need. Peter knew this through his experiences. Peter shared with the early church what the Lord Jesus Christ had done for him. And he was able to show with other people this great and wonderful truth. We know our Lord Jesus Christ as he was dying upon the cross, looked around those people who were at the cross, all the various uh, kinds of personalities, all the standing that they had. Some mocked him, some ridiculed him, some wept to see him suffering in such a way. He knew each one intimately. He knew the very worst about every one of them, but he loved them just the same. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In our current society, there are men and women who blaspheme the name of God. Men and women who ridicule the gospel. Men and women who we know are far away from heaven. And yet we knew that we were afar off. That we did not know what we were doing in the sight of God as we lived a life apart from him. We have gone through these experiences. We know that we were sinners. And now we are sinners saved by grace. We have the, the ultimate knowledge that we know people. We know what they're like because we are people. We are human beings. We can identify with people. In the same way the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, Emmanuel, God with us, he knew all about people. He has the skill to deal with people, to deal with the sin problem. 
and God has dealt with our problems. And we know what those problems were. We know that we're accepted by God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the message, the message we declare, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, became flesh. He dwelt amongst men and women, and they beheld his glory as of the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He revealed himself there physically. Now we know he's returned to heaven. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, he reveals himself to the world through his church, the called out people of God. We have been rescued from the winds and waves of God's judgment. We have cried out in times past, Lord, save me. And as believers, we cry unto the Lord in the midst of our difficulties and problems, and we seek to know the uplifting power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But like Peter, we need to go that stage further. We need to declare that great truth to men and women that we meet. That Jesus Christ has saved us, that Jesus Christ has secured us, and that we can share with people. He can be your saviour, your friend, and your Lord. The gospel relates to people telling what Jesus Christ has done for them. What is your message today, through your life and through your lips? Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, gracious God, we thank you for these wonderful gospel stories. Well, we know, Lord, that they are more than stories.